Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast, the Wags of SAI podcast for Caregiver Awareness Month. This month, we are doing a special series in self-care, and today we will be discussing spiritual self-care. So we can't wait for, for you to hang tight and listen along and share this space with us for Caregiver Awareness Month. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This episode is going to be really fun and something different Probably something you haven't heard before in this community. Um, but before we get to that, we want to send a huge shout out to Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law for sponsoring this episode. We are so grateful to her and her team for supporting the Wags of SCI mission. Um, Robin helps us behind the scenes with our cases. We are super ecstatic to have her available as the official Wags of SCI advocate for the community. So if you have a legal question, Um, If you have something you need to talk to her about, whether it's your partner's benefits or your spousal caregiving pay, or let's just say you want her to look into your partner's injury case, she is there and she is a trusted advocate. So please visit wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab to learn more about our partnership with Robin and her team. Or you can visit her website directly at brainandspinelaw.com to learn more about Robin herself and what she does. So thank you everybody for joining us today. We are very excited, as we stated before, about this episode, and we're really looking forward to discussing spiritual self-care, why it's important, and why it matters. So let's begin with what is spiritual self-care? I feel like this term gets tossed around quite frequently, especially in the climate of today's society and today's world and I feel like a lot of us are reaching for something outside of ourselves because we cannot understand what is happening around us what there's a lot going on so spiritual self-care is a process of nurturing our search for meaning in life usually by interacting with some form of power or energy that is greater than our own what do you think about that Brooke? Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. And I think something before we get into the talking about the meat of the podcast, I think um, both of us are on the same page when we say that we're going to try and keep this podcast as non-denominational as possible. What that means is we're going to avoid, you know, any religious specific religious discussion. We're trying to make this accessible to everybody because every single human being on planet Earth has a spiritual side, whether you know it or not, and you don't have to be religious. Um, it is something that is very, very personal. And so we don't want to exclude anybody. So we're going to keep this very open-ended and very general. And hopefully that will spark some ideas within you if you are on a current quest to seek something higher than yourself and you kind of don't know which direction to go. But yeah, I I think that definition is really good. Um, I think, you know, in in a non-religious way, I would say spirituality is putting emphasis on the well-being of the mind, body, and spirit. And I would include holistic activities in that definition, such as yoga, meditation. Um, And then there's also a quote in here. It says, "Is spirituality is about seeking a meaningful connection with something bigger than yourself that can result in positive emotions, such as peace, awe, contentment, gratitude, and acceptance. So that definitely aligns with with your definition. And I think that's really general. And I think it's something that every human being craves, whether you know it or not, even if you're an atheist, I think atheists crave um, a spiritual connection. They're just not aware of what that connection is. Um, There's also a really interesting study and you can search for this online. There's a lot of people out there 
I would say they think spirituality is hogwash and they don't really understand or they don't want to be part of it. Or there's a lot of people that had really bad religious experiences when they were younger, um, or they just kind of were never taught anything about religion when they were younger. They grew up without religion or spirituality and they, they're searching for something now. Um, but they also think it's kind of not real or because they can't see it, it's not there or whatever it is. There was a really interesting study um, by a doctor called the neurobiology of spirituality. And I'm going to, I'm going to state a quote from that. Cause I think it's really, um, important and you feel free to Google this study. It's widely available. So what it says is most studies have shown that religious involvement and spirituality are associated with better health outcomes, including greater longevity, coping skills, and health related quality of life, even during terminal illness. Also less anxiety, depression, and suicide. So this was a study that took place over quite a few years, and they referenced a whole bunch of different things. So it's very um, inclusive. So I encourage everybody out there who has doubts of, you know, why spirituality is important to a human being, please, please look up that study and please do your own research and critically think because there's a lot of stuff out there that is either censored or not available, but there's also a lot of stuff that's available um, for, for mainstream audiences as to how spirituality affects the person. Um, and it's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Especially after one sustains an SCI, right? You have to, um, you have to go above and beyond your own understanding to come to terms with a lot of things around you. But, um, one of the things that, <clears throat> and this has happened to me earlier this week where I was feeling a bit, outside of my body with a bit of anxiety and fear and whatnot. And one of the things that I always keep coming back to, but I need a lot of reminder around is that while many people just don't recognize um, spirituality as the aspect of their lives, um, they, the ones that do, sometimes we have a hard time understanding that these relationships with your spiritual or divine or whatever whatever you hold sacred to yourself, it actually needs tending just like relationships between people in our lives, your own understanding with whatever you hold sacred needs attention. And it's almost, you have to have a continual practice to be able to hold that as self care for yourself. Right. It's not something I find that anytime I feel a bit off track with connecting to that, I, I definitely feel not aligned within myself. And I always feel a little bit on edge or something's off. And I think that, uh, especially in, in the SCI life, this is something that coming to terms with why did the injury happen? Why did it happen to my partner? Why did it happen to the injured person? You're almost, because we always say you're forced to slow down specifically in rehab and in hospital, you're forced to slow right down because you are literally waiting. You're waiting in the room for a few months to pass until you can go home. You're waiting for the swelling around the spinal cord to, to go down. Your life is put on hold. You're unable to do the activities that you were once able to do. You're unable just to get up and go, go to your job, go to work, go do everything around you basically transforms into, and a lot of people use the term new normal, but you, you know, there is a lot of time that you spend by yourself thinking, trying to grasp what's happened to you, that the only answer I have found, and like you said, everybody's understanding of the spiritual connection, even if you think one or not is your own, it's very personal, very private, but there is something there. And I know that many people in our community speak about how they've had a turn towards something that is bigger and higher to the, than themselves to be able to pull through. Yeah. Because like, it's almost like, because you've had, you have no choice. Um, I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's really profound because they do talk about that in the various articles and that study that I cited about how people that have serious injuries or life-threatening events happen, um, it's, it's quite normal to like realize that life is bigger than you actually know, than what your perception sees. Um, and yeah, like I remember my husband, Evan was not raised in a spiritual sense at all. He always felt like the black sheep in his family, but he didn't have any spiritual or religious experiences as a child. He just had this feeling and he always talks about it. He had this feeling that you're not alone, like that there's something bigger than yourself and that 
you know, life is a quest. He always had that feeling, although it wasn't supported in his family in any way. And so when we met, my, I had myself had a Christian background when I was younger, went to church, knew about the Bible, read it a few times. Um, that was my background. And so it was kind of interesting because he always wanted to learn about that. But then as soon as he had his spinal cord injury, he will talk about this all the time himself, where he said, like, you know, what you were talking about, where, you know, you're at the lowest of lows and you kind of have to turn inward and upward because there's nowhere else to turn because it doesn't matter how many people are around you comforting you at the end of the day, you know, when you know, we, we always say this too, in our other podcasts about when the friends and family go home, you're there by yourself. Or when you're up at night with spasms and your partner's sleeping and you don't want to wake them up, you're there by yourself. And so from that, he kind of was like, Oh, I need to kind of nurture at least the start of a relationship with something bigger than myself. Cause I feel that it's there. And so in a lot of religions, they call it the calling or in Christianity though, you know, Jesus said, I, I call you by your name where it's kind of like you feel that inside of you, that there's some sort of a calling and you let go of the resistance to that calling. And um, yeah, I, I feel like spinal cord injury and even being a caregiver is one of those things where you start to get to a place where you can't do things on your own anymore. Um, I know I did myself, like, you know, and I've spoken about this in past podcasts where like I reached a point of like extreme, um, deprivation in my soul. And, you know, you just really, really get to the place where, um, you realize that you can't do this on your own anymore, no matter how hard you try. And like you said earlier, nurturing the relationships, right. You know, I've always been a spiritual person. Like I would consider myself like if I had to classify myself, I would consider myself a mystic that believes that Jesus was the way. <laughs> so like, I don't, I'm not like a practicing Christian, but I, I love Jesus. Right. Um, and I, I'm inquisitive, like a mystic. I, I look into a lot of things and I study and I love that stuff, but I got to a place where I was like, um, this needs, I need to nurture this more. I need to spend more time on this. I need to practice more what I preach. I need to, to, read more. I need to study more. I need to pray more, especially at the time mm -hmm. of COVID when everybody was alone, there was mm -hmm. that real chance. There was that real chance where you're like, I can't live in fear anymore. I need to surrender this fear to something bigger than myself, you know? Yeah. And I can't have happy hour at 10 AM every day just because <laughs> we're in COVID. <laughs> just well, you can't. I mean, Jesus drank wine. <laughs> just, just because the government deemed liquor stores essential service doesn't mean that it needs to be yeah I mean it's good that we can make light of it now but what a crazy time but that's a really good perspective is that I think that the for the first time the world you know we really had to shift our understanding of being okay I mean everybody had to be okay with with not having control over what you can and cannot do and and I I saw a lot of my friends and family starting to do things like connecting with nature going for long walks for mental health that was the big thing was um first we were clapping and banging pots and pans outside our window for the healthcare workers and then it was for mental health transitioning into and I feel like now more than ever Mental health has been like, we've heard like Bell Let's Talk or whatever, all these other campaigns, but now more than ever, every single person on, on a daily basis, I have mental health conversations with, like, for example, yesterday I went to my pottery studio and I asked some of the people around me, I said, man, how has November been for you? Like, I feel like there's some pretty intense energies happening where literally ruffling all the feathers, stirring up the dust, ripping through your closet and ripping out those, those skeletons. Like it is happening. Something is happening where you, I don't feel like there's a whole room, a whole lot of room to hide behind your fears. They're really being exposed at this time. And I had the same feedback. Everybody's like, I'm on the brink of tears. I feel like I could just like come bust at any point. And being able to shift that perspective instead of saying these are negative emotions, you should push them away. You should hide them. You should cry in silence in the corner of your room where nobody sees you. It's quite the opposite. It's like, look at this as a teacher. Look at this as this is presented to you to explore and expose and cry it out 
whatever you need to do, scream it out, uh, kick it out, do some somatic body release, just get it out of your system so you can open new doors. You know, the expression, some doors need to close so you can, so you can have the opportunity to open some new ones. That is basically it expressing these emotions. And that is so deeply connected with whatever spirituality you do have within yourself. Because I know I have had some really tough days, moments, usually at nighttime, back, back, back when Dan first had his injury, usually at nighttime, sitting by myself, crying, being like, God, if there is a God, I need help. I need to get out of this. I need to see the meaning behind this. I need to be able to understand what's happening. Not just my partner's injury, but for myself. And not through just my partner's injury, but also when when my mom was sick and I was I was uh, raised Christian in terms of I was adopted into a Christian family. But, uh, you know, that it was kind of a little bit pushed down my throat that I don't think I had the understanding of what it meant to be spiritual. It was very, very deeply religious. And I think there is a huge difference between religion and, and spirituality now as an adult from a different perspective. But I think a lot of us can relate to that is, you know, when our parents force us to go to Sunday school or church every single Sunday and you're like, you know, you're a kid or a teenager or whatever. And you're like, I just want to sleep in. The last place I want to be is sitting at church, listening to somebody read out of a textbook, the Bible, and not being able to really comprehend that. There's nothing worse. There's nothing more boring than that, right? But I think as adults, and especially in the climate of like what I was saying, the pandemic, I think that really highlighted new opportunity for us to have some time to read some new books or or a kind of listen to new teachings. I feel like there's been a huge uprise in spiritual coaches or people or even the memes that we look at. It's like there's always spiritual connotation to that, to finding guidance and a divine and something greater than you. People go into astrology, that's spirituality, trying to find meaning outside of themselves. So I think that there definitely is a huge uprise of that as of late. Yeah. And we'll look at what you're talking to your pottery friends about. That's just like a microcosm of what's happening in the world. Look at the wars. Look at, um, I, I just find it so interesting because for so long, people were blaming the mental health crisis on COVID, right? Um, and, you know, quote, COVID is done. It's not an emergency anymore. We, you know, those who have moved through it, which is most of people, um, they realize that that's not the crutch that they can hold on to anymore. And I was, I would argue that, um, I would say that in my circles and family and what I notice when I'm out and what I see online, I would say that the mental health is worse than ever now. And it's not because of COVID. It's because people are being called to figure their shit out. And the thing is, is like, I would argue that a spiritual journey is a self-care journey, right? That's why we're including it in this in this month's episodes because it is that important. And I would say that self-care activities, like what you're talking about going out in nature, doing all that stuff, they drive you towards something bigger than yourself, whether it is nature, whether it is Gaia, whether it is, you know, if you're someone who likes to read psycho-spiritual books or anything like that, they're all stepping stones towards something bigger than yourself and something working bigger than you. Um, you know, and I've, I've watched so many, um, documentaries and YouTube things on, um, uh, people that have, have passed or, or died for a few seconds and have had a near death experience or had a, um, an experience where they were actually dead. And they, you know, I've read some books where it's like, they combine all of these near death experiences and they outline, you know, what the similarities were, and they all say the same thing in a different in slightly different forms is where they realize that they're not alone and there's something bigger that is happening and they're safe right and a lot of them come back and most of them come back and they don't have any fear anymore because they don't they they know that there's nothing to fear and a lot of them don't even want to come back <laughs> that's the yeah. funny thing is most of them say i didn't want to come back you know they see what happens after they die and they realize they don't want to come back they realize that everything's fine and those people will be fine. Um, that's was so powerful for me. And and then you, you know, you watch these stories on people who do DMT or ayahuasca 
um, or some other different plant medicine ceremony. And they have these experiences where they are shown that things are bigger than they think and that, that, um, you know, there are multiple lives and they're living, you know, various lives in different time periods all at once. And it's like mind blown, but the, the consistency is a lot of these drugs cure mental health problems because they show people that they're safe and they really show their body in every way possible that they are safe and they're held and that things are not what they seem, that it's just an illusion. And so when you add up all of that, um, people's testimonials, any sort of religion that you're in, um, you know, those scientific studies that prove that your health is better when you are practicing some form of spirituality. Um, and then you also look at things like the emotion code and you understand how emotions work in your body and how you're divinely supposed to be whole and thriving. And you add all of those things together along with reading. And even Carl Jung, the father of psychology was a mystic. You know, he Mm -hmm. believed in the afterlife. He believed that there was more to everything. And when you look at that, it's, um, for me, it's, there's no doubt in my mind that these things need to be nurtured and paid attention to, and that people are really thirsting for a personal connection with the divine in their own way. And they're fighting about it. They're fighting about who's right and who's wrong and who's doing things better. And um, it's, it's very interesting to see. But then I also think about our journey, specifically you and I, Elena, um, during COVID and like our upbringing and all that stuff. And how, you know, you and I are really into work, doing shadow work and bringing, which, which is basically, it's not a scary thing. It's basically just bringing the unconscious conscious, um, to be able to be released and looked at. And so it doesn't drive your life anymore. Right. And that's like, you know, a big thing for us, but you think about that and the process of that and how you were talking about, you know, earlier about how you were sitting there and saying, if there's a God, please help. I can't do this on my own. Sometimes um, what people don't understand, I think they get a bad taste in their mouth from this, is they don't understand that there isn't a person or a God that's going to come down and wave a magic wand and cure everything for you. Where's the learning in that, right? It's also, it's like the same concept of shadow work. It's like you ask for help because you're ready and you believe and you ask for help from whatever, whoever, whatever you're doing, you ask for help and assistance. It might come to you in a way, actually, it probably will come to you in a way that um, is very shocking or surprising, or it's bringing something out for you to look at so that you can release it that is running your life. Um, And it's a path, right? Like you were saying, it needs to be nurtured. It's not something that happens within a week or two weeks. It's a path. It's it's a spiritual path. It's something that you take in life. It's a quest. It's the hero's journey. It's something where you're following something bigger than yourself. And so I think people get really caught up in that. They think that there's a magical solution that's going to fix them. And that's that's not what this is. W- would, would you agree with that? For sure. Um, I do. And I think people do, myself included, sometimes we get upset when it's almost, it's almost like you're, you're writing a Christmas list of your wishes. I wish for this and that. And then when we see those things, let's say we're praying, but it ends up being like a, a list of demands of the things that you need to have right now of the things that you need to see right now. I want my partner to be walking again. I want a bigger house. I want a better job. I want more money. Um, you know, I want eternal health. Sometimes we forget that that's not really how it works. And it, it can be very uh, triggering and really hard to come to terms with that. That sometimes we get upset and we say, well, there's no God. If there was a God, why didn't he grant me my wishes? Or I, you know, if, if there was such a thing, why did he make this happen or that happen? And um, I have a good story for you guys, because this is something Brooke and I talked about months ago. For those of you who, and it was only very recently that I saw the meaning of this story. Um, For those of you who aren't unaware, um, I was adopted at eight years old from Russia, from Siberia by a single woman, a single parent in the 90s. She really had to fight for the right. She had to fight for the right to party and adopt me because it was not allowed at that time. It was, well, it was very frowned upon for a single woman to adopt children. And uh, when the adoption came through, the approval came through, um, she was offered to adopt a second child as well. So my friend at the time in the orphanage um, 
Olga um, and I were adopted together and we were actually in the same orphanage that my, my grandmother worked at this orphanage and uh, we were split up from this orphanage uh, because there was an explosion at the orphanage due to our reno and we went to two separate orphanages. And so Olga and I had not seen each other for a couple of years until the day that we were told you're leaving this country and you are going with that woman and you have been adopted. And that's it. So I had family that I was still that was coming in to visit me, but I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And I didn't really have an option. Even if I said yes or no, it didn't matter. That's what was going to happen. But months before my adoption, I was out sledding and um, I was sledding with the other kids in the orphanage and I got pushed down the hill it was so icy and snowy in, in Siberia during, during winter, as you can imagine. I was pushed down a road that turned into a hill that we used this road as a tobogganing road. So I was pushed out on my tobogg- toboggan unprepared. And when I hit, when I slid down to the bottom, I hit a telephone post and I broke my femur. And I was pulled up the up the hill with a rope and I went to the hospital and I stayed there for two and a half months without a cast. So I basically had a lot of time of just laying there, um, really wondering what was going to be the next step, what was going to happen and when could I go, go home. And it was so boring, as you can imagine, for a seven year old at that time. But I spent my entire Christmas season in the hospital um pretty well alone i had my grandmother come visit me and and but during that time there was this very old russian orthodox woman probably in her 90s and this woman would walk the halls in the evenings and she was you could tell she was really clinging on to her rosary and to her faith and i could i could kind of hear her shuffling down the hallway and she prayed over the kids and putting icons out, you know, every child she saw, she would go and touch them and pray, pray for them and give them an icon. And then she would shuffle down the hall again, day after day. And late at night, my door would creak open and I'd be awakened. I would be awakened to her sitting right beside my bed, praying for me too. And so I was very confused by this. And so I finally asked her, you know, what are you doing? And she, she would talk about Jesus. She would talk about God. She would talk about a higher power that was definitely much greater than I was. And I had never really understood the concept of this greater, higher power. But through the understanding and through our conversation, she told me, you know, Elena, if you want to leave this life behind, this is, you know, you've been through so much. And if you pray, if you believe, if you believe in Jesus and she, she gave me a crucifix and she gave me a cross and she said, you, you grip, grip these things in your hands and you pray and you believe and you can disappear. You can go to heaven. And I thought through my understanding of a seven-year-old, I thought she meant like, like right now, like pray and believe now, and you will close your eyes, pray, believe, and you poof, you'll vanish and you'll leave this life behind. So I thought about it for a few days and I thought, oh my God, like, really? I pray, believe, and I disappear. What about my grandmother? I'll never have a chance to say goodbye to her. And um, I really contemplated it for for a while. And then one night I decided this is what I was going to do. I've made up my mind. I'm leaving this life behind. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. So that's what I did. And much to my surprise, I opened my eyes up and I was still very much there in my hospital bed. I didn't vanish. I didn't go to heaven. I didn't see Jesus or God or whoever she had described, but I was really disappointed and I actually never, ever saw her again. I thought the next day for sure I I would, I would see her again and I would reprimand her and I would tell her, why would you teach me these things? Because I did everything you said, but I'm still here and I never saw her again. But time went on. I healed. I, I healed and I went back to the orphanage and I told all the kids, I shared my icons with them. I showed them my rosary, my cross. And I told all the kids, I said, you know, I've learned this new concept that, you know, we might be here without parents and nobody wants us. And we're here all together. And we all just want to go home. Every single child's wish and dream was, I just doesn't matter how neglectful, abusive, hurtful your parents were. You just want to go home to your parents. So I started to create these little prayer groups and I said, you know, tonight around my bed, we're praying. And then sometimes we'd be jumping on the bed praying sometimes. I, and I, 
and I learned one thing that you could pray at any time, anywhere. You, you can pray brushing your teeth. So sometimes we would all be brushing our teeth and we'd be praying. Sometimes we'd be dancing around in the living room. We'd be praying. And a couple months went on. So this was, I came back in January. A couple months went on. I healed. And on May 15th, 1995, I was adopted and I did disappear. And I came to Canada, but it took me, it took me a while to understand that that is what happened. It took me years. In fact, I think it was very recently when Brooke and I went out for something to eat and we were were having this conversation that I understood that this is what happened. Maybe not through my understanding of the, you know, this, this list that we create for ourselves of God, I want this, I want that. And if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to be angry. Sometimes our understanding doesn't we don't completely understand that what we want is what we want. And I, and it took me a long time to see that, that it's outside of our understanding that everything is already set up for you without your, without your human belief and without your human experience and the belief you have here of that is what is necessary for the next step of your life. If that makes sense. And I believe a lot of that has happened in our lives and especially in our, in the SCI world. Sometimes we can't understand the things that have happened to us. We think this is so horrible. How could God put us there? And a lot of people could argue, well, how could God make it happen that you had to go to an orphanage and all these bad things happen to you? But sometimes we don't understand what the plan is for our lives. And had that none of that happened, you and I would not be sitting here running wags of SCI or having this conversation to support other people, to make an impact in other people's lives. Yeah. Well, I honestly, that is one of my favorite stories, not just of yours, but I think of any stories that I've heard, I think it's so mystical and so magical. And like, it just, it's so personal as well. And it's such a demonstration of how things are working out for you in ways that you could never even imagine. And the kind of goal I think of every human is to get out of the way of that you know what I mean because like you were like you were saying um you know a lot of people say why did this happen why did this injury happen why would God do that if they're the, the, the classic if there is a God why do horrible things happen to people and kids and why is there injustices in the world um and I think your story is something that could resonate with a lot of people especially people that are in the early stages of SCI or people that are, you know, trying to get on a path of self-care to see that, like you said, you think you know what you want, but you have no idea, (laughs) right? Like you really have no idea. And this is my problem with, you know, as someone who has, you know, I've read a lot of books as far as different avenues of spirituality and mysticism. And uh, I'm very interested in that and learning different ways to worship and, you know, different angelic things that are available on earth and, you know, new age stuff and even Wiccanism and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, when you're a searcher, you like to know this kind of stuff, right? And I feel like it always comes back to the same thing for me. It always comes back to Regardless of what you're doing, if you're doing new age stuff, if you're doing the law of attraction, let's just use that as an example, the Abraham Hicks way of like frequency and, you know, law of attraction is, you know, you will get what you want if you focus on it. All of those things are great. All of those things work with the way the world is set up, which is a world of, you know, and this is demonstrated in physics, the laws of the universe, the way that this world works, reality as we see, Um, you know, all of these things work with that. The law of attraction is a real thing. But people oversimplify it. People oversimplify these tools that we're given for humans to play with. But the fact remains is that we are a learning planet, right? We are designed to grow and evolve and change, right? We're a planet of growth and change. That is one thing we all are aware of, right? And if we're not growing and changing, we're not learning. If we're not growing and changing, we're not doing it, right? That we're, we're unhappy, we're depressed. It doesn't align, right? So we all know that. We know that down to our base level. Humans are designed to evolve, grow, and change, right? And so all of these practices and, you know, you think you know what you want, you don't get what you want, you get upset. 
they're missing the key point of faith. They're missing the key point of you don't, you're not alone and you don't know what you want. You have to open yourself up to learn what you want. You have to go through the process of surrendering what you want in order to see what you want. Do you know what I mean? And so like, that is like, your story is like that for me. It's like, it's like a very real example of, holy crap, you literally waited 30 years before you got to the place where you finally understood. And think about the amount of learning that you had to go through in between then and now. That's why it's when people are like, well, why do these bad things happen? Why does this happen? It's like, you don't know. You don't know everything. You don't know what the end result is going to be. You don't know who's going to benefit from this. And my thing is always, if we're a planet of evolution, learning, and growth, where's the learning and growth if you just snap your fingers and got everything that you wanted when you wanted it? There's no learning in that. There's no growth in that. That's not, it doesn't line up with what we're here to do according mm-hmm. to everything that we yeah. know in reality physics like we're we're not here to do that you know and i and i feel like i hear a lot of people especially like our age like when people get into their 30s 40s i feel like a lot of people feel lost and they i don't know you might have like a a change in education or a change in career or in hobbies or friends or relationships and you start all over again and i think a lot of people see that as according to society and what has, what has, whatever the script that has been written for me, if I don't follow that, then that means that I'm the outlier, that I'm the, I'm not fitting in. I must be lost, confused. I'm the undateable, or there's something wrong with that person. Why haven't they settled down or why haven't they hit that target salary or why haven't they X, Y, Z bought the home or had the kids or whatever. I think that we're purposely conditioned to feel very confused and lost by these things without think about how empowering that would be to understand that every single person here has a journey that is actually quite outside of the script and you should be empowered by that you should be empowered by the fact that you're not following a specific outline or or a module or or handbook for how you should live your life but to understand that at all times you are protected and you have you have something, something is here that is bigger than us, that is looking out for us, that is guiding the path that you might not see it now. Why am I, you know, why am I going down this path now? Well, you, maybe you're gaining better understanding for where it is that you are supposed to be in a year, five months, 10 years, who knows? Nobody knows exactly why you are in the position you are why do you meet certain people and have certain conversations and that those interactions in my opinion are spiritual every single person you come in contact with you are gaining something from that connection and interaction and conversation and meeting whether you believe it or not in that moment but so you know sometimes later you might like have a conversation with like the barista or someone that you don't usually have a conversation with or a friend of a friend just from happen to be at the same function or gathering and then later maybe a few months later maybe even years later something that they said comes pops back into your head and then you have that like aha moment or maybe you don't understand something they've said and it later comes back, pops into your head, or maybe something you've been thinking about is exactly what is being said. And it's almost like that confirmation of you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And there is no timeline for where you should be because every single piece, it's like a puzzle piece. Every single piece is necessary for the next one and the next one to get you. You can't just jump from alpha, you know, during the, through the alphabet, you you don't go from like a to D, you have to go A, B, C, and then you get to D. So every every single step is a stepping stone for your actual plan of why you are here, what you're doing here. And I truly believe that not everybody believes that. But for my spiritual journey and my beliefs, I truly believe that sometimes we do not understand why the things happen the way they do, or why we are placed in certain circumstances or conversations or positions or advocacy roles. Why are we placing these things? Sometimes I want to bury my head in the sand and say, I don't want to be an advocate for caregivers. I don't want to be an advocate for wangs of SEI or for my partner or having to battle for more hours for caregiving with my partner like we did yesterday during the meeting sometimes I don't want to do that it's hard it's frustrating I'd rather be having 
I don't know, margaritas on the beaches of Mexico, of course. But there's a greater picture for all of us. There is a sense of belonging, knowing that we all have our own personal journey and we all have our own personal purpose for being here. And every single person and their journey matters for the collective of the next person and their journey. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that's interesting that you bring that up because um, there's uh, they've done studies and um, they've done like situational studies on this before. And I know Michael Singer talks about it in some of his books and some of his lectures where um, if you take one thing away or if someone because humans have free will, everyone has free will. You know, there's not some magic wand being waved. We are given free will to live on this earth. We were given an intuition for a reason. We were giving feelings for a reason. We are all innately born with an intuition and feelings, right? To help us navigate. That's why, you know, when you, that's why this is self-care, right? Because if you're not looking after and nurturing that side of you, you won't get clear nudges because you're in stress all the time. You won't get the, the, oh, the aha moments as frequently because you're in stress. You can't feel them when you're in stress as much, right? Um, that's why there's that argument of like, you know, corporations and, and the machine, you can call it the machine or the matrix, whatever you want to call it. Um, the whole system of society, Western society is set up in a way to kind of dull that intuition because it, it's controlling, right? If you're, if everybody's stressed working 12 hours a day or stressed out about silly things, they can't, you know, like what you were saying earlier, they can't uh, really nurture their intuition. That's why it's so important for self-care. But Michael Singer always talks about the, if you remove one thing two generations ago, how different everything would be. And I always like to think of it that way with um, my partner's injury how one thing, one act of free will, one thing changed, not just in our life, but in our ancestors' lives to infinity. Like It's mind-blowing to even think about that. If one thing was changed, if this person said no to this date, I would have never been born. If, If the grandma didn't say do this, then my mom would have never been born. Then, you know, you can literally sit there in a meditation and go back and go back and go back. And it's just, there's infinite possibilities of things that would have had to be different in order for something to not have happened. And so when you think about it that way, you realize how divine everything is because you realize, holy shit, if one small thing had taken place differently, if one person had made a different choice, none of us would be here right now. We wouldn't be experiencing this. And so that to me was one of the biggest self-care pieces of healing is to realize how interconnected everything really is. And you can go down the rabbit hole, you know, we're just doing a kind of like a basic episode about spiritual self-care and our thoughts and opinions on it, but you can go down the rabbit hole of this. And there's a lot of people that study this. Um, And it's just crazy, like the interplay of like how everybody is so connected. Um, And there's, it's mathematical and it's, it's very interesting. Um, But like, when you think about, you know, as a caregiver being under stress and not having time for self-care and not, you know, not even nurturing the spiritual side at all because you're just too stressed out. Think about those. You have the, the, you are blessed with free will, right? You're blessed with that as a human. It's your divine right. And so think about all of the opportunities that you could be missing because you're too stressed out to even pay attention to the fact that you have free will. You're just kind of going through the motions, running on the rabbit on, on the, uh, the hamster wheel, right? You're, you're going through the motions. You're not, you're not actively creating your existence. You're just kind of falling back and letting things happen to you. Um, and so that's why the, you know, this conversation is really, really important to have in this community because way too many people just fall back and let things happen to you, um, or let things happen to them. But in this episode, we're going to outline some activities. Let's just say you are, you know, looking to get into, and exploring your spiritual side a little bit more because you've had years of stress or you're wanting to factor spirituality into your mental, emotional routine. Cause I would argue, you know, you're doing emotional work, you're doing mental work. You, you hit a wall eventually where you're like, I can't either, I can't figure this out on my own. Um, or there's more, there's still something missing. Right. And that piece is usually spirituality and a connection to the divine. Um, so what activities are your favorite for, nurturing spiritual self-care well we've we've created a pretty uh 
pretty good extensive list. So let's just go through it. And, and something I think from the very basis, that's really quite simple is, um, making time for yourself making t- well what does that mean we always say that in self-care oh, to make time for yourself it's like easier said said than done but in terms of um if you're limited on time doing a quick meditation we talk about this all the time you know setting up a really good space for your meditation. What does that mean? Having a little bit of peace and quiet, even five minutes. Yesterday, I read a really great exercise in meditation in tea, having a cup of tea and bringing your awareness back to your senses. I am drinking tea. This is what it sounds like. This is what it tastes like. This is what I'm seeing around me. Um, Connecting. It's a great mind and body technique for connection. Once again, I learned this early, early on in my teen years when I was going through anxiety and depression of the things we can do to connect our body and mind, especially when we feel like we are spinning out of control with how busy we are. A lot of caregivers, caregivers do feel that way because we don't have, we have limited amount of time in a day. So meditation, which is, you know, maybe it's, um, enlightening your senses by lighting an incense, rolling out your yoga mat in a quiet area grounding yourself in nature. Grounding is supposed to be extremely healing for you. That means walking through the grass barefoot, going in the ocean or the lake, somewhere that is nature that you can connect with the sunlight, going for a walk, facing the sun for a few minutes a day, especially during the darkest time of the year, which happens to be right now. Um, Being able to connect with nature. This is these are all things that are free. You can have a free nature walk, the sun. I always go back to the elements, the sun, the wind, the rain, the snow, feel it all. Um, being able to connect that way I find is extremely important. And then also it's really for myself, it's really, really important to have a set prayer or something like a daily affirmation or or a routine that you're able to create for yourself, whether that's our first thing in the morning, you have a few minutes to yourself, you have your cup of coffee, set an intention for your day today. This is what I would like to accomplish today. This is what I'm going to focus on. And the same thing for nighttime. I do a gratitude prayer where I spray my sheets with the same thing every night, same scent, my partner sheets, put on a specific roller. Sometimes I put on an eye mask. Um, so I can sleep soundly, but to have a gratitude prayer of everything that you're grateful for that you have experienced during that day. Um, if you have a hard time with this, I start with the basics. And now that you know my background, you'll probably understand this more, but, um, start with the basics of, I'm really grateful for a shelter, a clean, cozy shelter, a clean, cozy bed, a you know, clean drinking water, um, a nice soft pillow. I'm grateful for my partner. I'm grateful that he's beside me. Um, I'm grateful for my pets, my children, my family, whoever they are grateful for a friend, you name them. You just connect your body to your connect your mind to your body once again, and just say all the things that you're grateful for. Grateful for the food, grateful. I have food in my fridge, grateful that I have, you know, a good life because, that scale can be varying, especially with social media. And we hear this all the time. Comparison is the thief thief of joy. So sometimes we get taken away if we spend too much time on our tablets or our screen. We get taken away to comparing our lives to other people. But start with the basics of what it is that you have, not the things that you want or you wish to see. But be grateful for those things because those are a big deal. As all of us know, be grateful for your health because those things can be taken from you very quickly. So again, count your blessings literally, and it makes a huge impact for your mood. You'll, you'll be in a completely different place in a couple of weeks, a month, a year, you'll see the world through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. That's really cool. Well said. Um, what are some of yours? I know that we have a good list and I know that you have your own, your own spiritual practice. Um, what are some of your go-tos, Brooke? Share your secrets. Um, well, yeah, I don't know if there's secrets, but to be honest, I really have worked very hard on like fine tuning what works for me over the past five years. Um, because like I said, I had to get out of stress. It was hurting my body. Um, and so I think, kind of going back to that whole, I am just 
here and I don't really know what I'm doing, please God, help me and guide me. Um, I kind of went the route of like, I had to prove to myself and this is going to sound really funny, but like I had to prove to myself that underneath all of the trauma, underneath all of the stress, underneath everything that I was feeling and the fear, I had to prove to myself that what was under there was actually pure and, and, and light and not darkness. And I know a lot of, a lot of people out there would probably feel the same thing, especially if you have anxiety, you think that, you know, when you're doing any sort of surrender work, when you're doing any sort of prayer, you kind of think that, oh no, what if I surrender and something bad happens, right? Um, definitely felt that, especially when I was a kid, I remember I used to pray and be like, oh, am, am I, you know, am I doing something wrong? Is something bad going to happen because of this? And like, you question these things, right? So like, I had to prove to myself through research, through reading a ton of books, through asking for help, I had to like, prove that um, what was beneath everything, and all the stuff, all the anxiety, all the fear that was very, you know, it's even primal in your body, all the stress, what's beneath that was actually peace and serenity. I had to prove that to myself through various ways um, of like, not just knowledge and gaining knowledge, but like doing research on myself. Um, and so for me, I think going back to basics, like you were saying, nature works well for you. Obviously nature is amazing. I have a very personal relationship with the water. I have ever since I was young and just being drawn to water and the cleansing properties of water and being immersed in water. And, you know, obviously the cold dips are really spiritual for me. Um, but not just that, I, I think going back to basics and learning that you can ask for help and it will show itself in, in a way that you won't expect. And just being open to that is so huge, but not just being open to it, actually being sincere about it, you know, cause there's a lot of times you'll ask for something and you won't be sincere and the universe, God, the divine, it knows if you're sincere or not. So I think getting to a place where you're like, okay, I sincerely cannot do this on my own. I sincerely need help. Please, whatever is out there, show yourself to me in a way that I can understand. And in a way that is perfect for me and in, and in a way that is divinely connected to who I should be. I also think that ever since I was a kid, I'm very much like my husband where I always wanted to live my best life no matter what. And I don't think I realized what that entails, like what you have to give up in order to have that happen. You have to literally give up on who you thought you were going to be in order to make way for who you're going to become and what is best for you and kind of just trusting that that will happen. And it's so personal for every single person out there. It's so personal because you can't tell somebody that they have to find out for themselves. You can't tell somebody to dive into the deep end and trust that you'll be okay. You have to do it yourself. You have to train yourself. You have to figure out, but I think asking and understanding that you will receive in a form that is perfect for you is huge. And like your gratitude prayers, which are extremely important because you're putting yourself in a vibration of gratitude instead of lack, which is also very important. And if anyone out there is interested in frequency and understanding the human frequencies, highly recommend um, David Hawkins' work. Um, but other than that, getting to the place where you go back every day and every morning to asking, I am open to whatever please put me into alignment with what I'm here for and show me the way because I don't know the way. And it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. Every single human being was born with the ability to ask for help. And it's interesting because <laughs> I've read a lot of stuff out there, even people that are into like the galactic races, the Palladians, um, they're into aliens and stuff like that. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's religion, if it's God, if you're Muslim, the one thing that's very common in all of these things is there is divine energy out there for you to tap into, um, regardless of what form it's in. And so just asking and receiving, asking and receiving. There's a really good book out there called Ask and It Is Given by Abraham Hicks. And that is a non-denominational, non-religious book that explains the laws of the universe in a way that's easier to understand. It's very much of it's, it's basically physics that's easy to understand, but it shows you how to take your power back and use the laws of the universe to help you to create your best life. Like I said earlier, I think there's a lot of those new age books that really fail in that they kind of 
you're still on your own at the end, whereas I don't believe that. I don't believe we're on our own. Um, but it helps you to get your power back and helps you to understand what we're doing here and how powerful when you ask for something it is. Um, and like you said earlier, how, how protected you are. Um, other things like, you know, when you start getting more confident in yourself, um, obviously there's a lot of Christians that are in the group. So reading scripture, Christians or, or, any, or any other religion out there that like to keep themselves on track by reading scripture. I think it's really important because, you know, a lot of religions have been corrupted and, you know, there's, there's all the ends to the spectrum, right? But what religion is supposed to do is it's supposed to provide a framework and of guidance for someone that needs help. And when you're on a spiritual journey, a lot of people need help. Right. And so I, that's why I think religion is really good for a lot of people because people that like structure, it's very good for that. And they all lead to the same things, really. They all lead to the same things is, is that you're trying to be the best version of yourself and you're trying to live your destiny. You're trying to live without fear. Um, so a lot of people want to start from that. A lot of people are in that and they believe that's right for them. So just incorporating more, more scripture, more following, more asking into your life. Um, obviously, journaling but not just um, prompts like journal prompts that are, what am I doing today? What are my goals for the day? Not just that more spiritual journal prompts, like, you know, how can I be more grateful for this in my life? Um, how can I surrender deeper into this more spiritual? And you can Google all of these journal prompts online if you're having trouble, but it, it's amazing what a simple spiritual journal prompt can bring up for you and to, and can heal for you. Um, I also think music is really important. Um, if you have a YouTube membership, you can type in high frequency, high vibrational music, and it will come up these amazing playlists and these amazing frequency songs. And I really love Gregorian hymns. I really love Orthodox hymns. There's some groups that I follow on YouTube that I swear you're having a bad day. You put on 20 minutes of that and you feel it in your bones. Everything changes. And actually there are studies out there that have proven that this is the case, not just on physical objects like snowflakes, because that Japanese, you know, that Japanese book where they showed what happens when you put high frequency music on the snowflakes actually change their structure to a more positive, beautiful structure. Um, and then you put on low vibrational music and it, the, the snowflake crumbles. Well, our bodies are water, right? So the same things happens in our bodies. That's why it's so important. You know what you were saying about Instagram earlier. It's so important what you consume because your cells listen and that's been proven. So when you put on high vibrational music, like hymns or whatever floats your boat, classical music, Bach, whatever it is, um, high vibrational music is key because you're actually doing something to the water and the cells in your body. Um, so I definitely highly recommend that, especially when you're in a place where you're so stressed out that you can't think or you can't read or you don't want to pray. Like we all get to those places where we're just like, I can't do anything right now. I need to just flop on my couch and put something on. Don't go on your phone, put something on that's high vibrational because you will feel better in half an hour. Trust me. <laughs> um, and then I also have like the importance of hanging out with like-minded individuals. Um, people that want to talk about things that are important to you in a spiritual sense. It's important to have people around you, um, even if it's virtual, um, that support you in your spiritual journey that can talk to you about things that matter to you and help guide you. And a lot of people find this in the church. A lot of people find this in, um, you know, gr certain groups that they can join, even the Wags of SCI group. You know, there's a lot of things that we talk about that are very spiritual and very important and um, family and friends that sur you surround yourself with people that inspire you that you can actually talk about this stuff. Because when you talk about spiritual concepts and ideas, you'll get these flashes and these realizations of like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to apply this to my life or someone will say something out of the blue that you never even considered and it changes your mind and it sets you off on another path. And it's just so powerful. So Definitely surround yourself with those kinds of people, unfortunately for uh, me and a lot of other people. That means eliminating a lot of people from your life that don't support how you need to be supported. Um, and that's totally fine. But lastly, I will say um, what I was talking about earlier about getting into touch with your intuition and feelings and get, getting yourself out of survival 
is one of the most important things. Getting yourself to a place where you can actually feel changes and what is good and what is bad for you is huge. Because again, this was given to every person on earth, a divine guidance system that comes in the form of emotions and that comes in the form of intuition. We all know when we're feeling good and we're not in stress mode, we all know what's good and bad for us. And everyone's different, right? And that was that's purposeful. That's been built into our bodies. So to be able to tear away things that influence that, whether it's, you know, like we talked about how all of this interplays, whether it's foods, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's um, balance, finding that reduces stress. And when you reduce stress, you have more intuitive insights. You have more ability to think, is this good for me? Should I be here right now? Should I, you know, do I want this? Does this feel good for me? Um, Focusing on you know, childlike joy. What brings me joy? Do I even know what brings me joy? Do I even know what a hobby is that would bring me joy? You have to follow these things. And if you're stressed out, you can't really follow them. You don't have that inspiration. That's why, um, yeah, I think that is probably one of the most important things for me. And then we also have on here fasting, Elena, <laughs> just some fun things. Like I think, and it's really important because why are you saying Elena? You're the one that added this one. <laughs> it's funny. I think we should talk about this because there are various yes. you can do called spiritual fasting where um, it's not, you know, avoiding food and water in the desert for 40 days. <laughs> it's like doing specific things like a dopamine fast where you avoid all stimulating things for an entire day and see what happens. And um, that's like, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi, turn off your TV, put away your phone, put it on airplane mode. Um, No coffee. Yes. No coffee, no no stimulating anything. No stimulating relationships or conversations of the day. (laughs) Yes. No errands. Just literally keep to yourself for a whole day. Um, I actually learned about this on the, the Huberman podcast who it's like the number one podcast in the world right now, I'm pretty sure, where he focuses on like very sciencey stuff. But he talks about the importance of dopamine fasting and what it does for your brain and how people are overstimulated. They have, they're used to having too much dopamine all the time. So they have big crashes and it's really, really bad for the brain. So when you do this, it's spiritual because you're literally making way for inspiration to come that wouldn't be be able to come through all that noise and all that stimulation. So- um, yeah, I thought we should mention that at least once in this podcast. I think it's a really good tool to have. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be really hard, especially um, yeah. so if we're so used to logging on to our, our emails or checking our Instagram, or if you're using your Instagram for work and then you get sidetracked, it can happen so quickly. Oh, yeah. Watson, Watson, my dog in the background agrees. He says, yes, no stimulating conversation. My dog is stimulating. So how do you, how do we avoid that one? <laughs> but yeah. in all... In all fairness, um, it's, I think it's a good challenge in general when you are able to remove something that has become such a, um, almost like a mindless part of your routine that you're like, whoa, how do we get here? How to, what's going on here? Or a habit, you know, when you're trying to break a habit that maybe not the healthiest habit, or maybe you just want to re-examine, or maybe you just want to do things differently. Um, I think that's a really good way to do that as well. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that we did this episode. I know it's a lot to discuss in an hour, but I think it fits perfectly into our Caregiver Awareness Month theme of self-care. It's one of the important pillars. I would argue that it is the most important pillar. However, you can't get to the most important pillar really unless you're working on all the other ones. So it's all about balance, right? Um, So we hope you learned something today. (laughs) Um, We hope you enjoyed stories. I especially enjoyed Elena's story. I never get sick of hearing that story. Um, and I hope you're inspired. You know, I hope that you understand that what's happening in the world right now, everybody is either pissed off or scared or fearful of the unknown. But when you understand from a personal lens of like the shadow, when, when things get brought to light in order to be released, in order to provide freedom for the soul and the body, it's all happening how it's supposed to on a mass level. So I always, whenever I feel afraid or whenever I feel uncertain or whenever I look at the world and I say, oh my God, is this the world we're in now? Like really? Um, I always go back to that. And I always think when there's a collective shadow being lifted, people will literally go nuts, but they have to go through that in order to get to 
the good stuff. And so it gives me a lot of hope. And so we hope that, you know, regardless in, in your own life, if you're under stress, if you're going through a really stressful time, you need to understand that you're not alone and you have to try your best to get to a place where you can believe that this is purposeful because it is. Um, and the little voice inside you will tell you, no, it's not purposeful. I'm a victim. This sucks. But finding a way to get around that and realize that these things happen when you're under stress, it's huge. So mm -hmm. any final yeah. words? Well, and it's okay to have those days of I'm a victim. This sucks. Uh, cry it out. Get, get through it, whatever that process looks like to you. And there is no script for you. So follow your own desire to heal. I think that is the, probably the best piece of advice I have personally is you have to follow your own desire to heal. You have to build your own bridge that you will walk over when the time is right for you. There is no manual for this. So once again, thank you so much for spending the time with us with Brooke and Elena here today from the Wags of SCI support group. We're extremely proud of our girl gang and thank you for all of the submissions for caregiver awareness month because caregivers matter. Matter, and we are here to elevate your voices and your stories to show the world that caregivers matter and they are very special people. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for spending this time. And we hope that everybody has a safe and beautiful rest of your day. Please email us if you have any questions, comments, or feedback to wegsofsei at gmail.com. Looking forward to connecting with you next week when we discuss the very last episode of, of Caregiver Awareness Month in environmental self-care. So stay tuned. And until next time, take care of yourselves and love one another. Cheers. Cheers.